The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Upps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by an Impact Fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome back to the show, Karina Maybe. Hello, Jamie Upps. How are you? Not too bad. Not sweating for a change for now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't relate. We've been freezing on occasion, and then it'll be like today it was like really, really hot, and then it'll probably be really cold next week because Florida is bipolar and doesn't know how to take her meds. So there's that. Uh, we're, we're a bit that way at the moment. It's cold days, rainy days, and then the next like three are mid to high 30s. Oh, okay, cool. Now we're just going to steam, are we? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I have all the seasons in one week, as do you. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> Yeah, you could say there's uh, three personalities to our weather, much like yeah. the movie we're watching this week. This week, we're returning to the MCU for an all-women's team-up film as Captain Marvel reunites with Monica Rambeau, and they both join forces and meet for the first time Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel. This is the sequel to Captain Marvel from, I believe, 2018 it was? It's been a minute. And it's a continuation of the Miss Marvel Disney Plus series. And like I said, we see the three aforementioned ladies join forces as they attempt to save the universe from the vengeful Kree leader, Dar Ben, who basically her whole vengeance plot begins in that Captain Marvel movie at the very end. But this movie doesn't tell us that until about an hour and a half in, which is a little bit silly. Yeah, because you're just sitting here like, why is this person so ragey? I don't understand it, kind of. It's it's very strange. They did kind of a weird job of explaining the entire reasoning behind this villain. But, I mean, you know, that's a Marvel classic during this time of this, this time that this movie was produced. So, yeah, like we kind of see, we see Captain Marvel is clearly struggling with her past actions and has chosen to put herself in exile. Like we said, that's not mentioned until about an hour and a half in with a quick like voiceover flashback sequence. So you kind of just like, why is, why is she so unhappy? And I remember her being like this real fun character that was just there and helping out. And now she's like, I don't want to, anything to do with anybody. It's like, oh, okay, why are you such a buzzkill now? And then you've got Kamala Khan on the other side, just being super happy and like, Holy crap, I'm meeting my hero. Yeah, she went from being like super cool, like one of my favorite uh, MCU characters to like super fucking lame and depressive. And then because you don't really understand that whole um, reasoning behind that, it's kind of strange that Ms. Marvel is so obsessed with Captain Marvel. Like she holds her on such a high podium and I'm like, why? She's such a Debbie Downer. Like there's no reason for that. Like she's just horribly depressive so yeah it's very it was very strange the way that they laid out this timeline and explanation of preceding events to it yeah i feel like we probably should have got like in the opening like cold open 
a bit of a recap on the events at the end of Captain Marvel where she goes and destroys Supreme Intelligence, I think it was called, in yes. on the Kree planet and um, basically destroys their sun so that their whole planet starts to slowly die, which understandable why Darben is a little bit annoyed at that, but yeah, we don't really get context for that until later. And then also, like, you just look at the overall landscape of the MCU. It's like, why is Captain Marvel on such a high pedestal for Kamala? Because she really only has, like, one moment where she did anything cool, and it was, like, uh, the Avengers moment where she comes in, she destroys the big bad, and then she pisses off, and then they have all these other issues, and she's like, yeah, I'm not coming back. I'm in exile now. Yeah, for me, it just, it doesn't make sense, the obsession and like, oh my God, yes, like in her mind, they're going to be best friends and like, they're going to like fight crime together and stuff like that. And over here, I'm just like, Scarlet Witch is 10 times cooler than Captain Marvel and I don't give a fuck how much hate I get for that. <laughs> but like, in my opinion. She's a little bit psycho as well, though. It's fine. She's, she's a good balance regardless anyway <laughs> she had a lot she had a lot more shit happen to her than captain marvel did so i can understand her crazy versus M captain marvel just being like uh. i i feel bad because i killed millions of people i'm never coming back yeah scarlet which is just like i don't really feel bad they all fucking deserved it <laughs> yeah they, they killed my kids fuck them yeah so you know i just i don't know I, it's, it's a very strange thing but uh you know to be fair, I don't really, I, I never watched Ms. Marvel, so I didn't get to see the entire obsession with Captain Marvel. I just saw bits and pieces that were thrown into this movie, and I was like, that's enough for me to know that that kid's nuts. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's like the tr clearest indication of the kind of tonal imbalance for this movie. Like you have Captain Marvel is like this really sad, brooding character that's struggling with past trauma. Even Monica Rambeau, we... As the movie progresses, we find out that her mom died while Monica was blipped out of existence. Yeah. She also feels like a little bit abandoned by Carol. So like she's kind of sad and depressed as well. And then you have Kamala Khan. Is this just like super happy-go-lucky? Like this is the greatest moment of my life character. And it's like there's no balance to this movie. It's either super fun, happy times or really depressing, dark moments. But it just yeah. it switches back and forwards between them super quickly, kind of like they're switching their powers. Yeah, for me, Kamala almost reminds me of the way that Peter Parker was in the Spider-Man movies, where he was like so idolizing Iron Man and he was like so obsessed with like how cool Tony Stark was. And then Tony Stark was just like, meh, go away, kid. Like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is your first time seeing Aman Vellini as Kamala Khan. What did you think of? Um, I think she's fantastic for a young actress. Um, she did really well with the role, and I, I understand that the role is supposed to be that kind of like almost innocent younger superhero who's pretty naive to a lot of things in the world. So I mean, she did fantastic. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the character, but I feel like it's just because I don't fully understand the character. So that might be a bad part on me. <laughs> yeah, I think Aman is like absolutely perfect casting. Because the character is kind of just like this comic book nerd that's obsessed over Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, which Aman is, she's a comic book nerd that has obsessed over MCU. And this is her first ever acting role. Yeah. Until she got the Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel role, she had never acted before. It's like, what? She did fantastic then. Like she 
like hit it head on and I think she did great. That show and this movie kind of fell into that whole slump of Marvel films where it was, you know, quantity over quality. So I don't know if she really got a fair shot with writing and things like that because nothing really drew me to that show to want to watch it. I might eventually watch it later on but after watching other shows that came out around the same time I kind of just fell off the whole Marvel series train for a while. Yeah I think that show is probably one of the better MCU Disney Plus shows. It does kind of waver in the middle a little bit but yeah it's really good and it it was the moment where we got the the mutant confirmation that that was all the rumor that the X-Men were coming was like essentially confirmed in that with the X-Men theme song playing at the end and Kamala finding out that she's a mutant, not some sort of superhuman or it's not that she found the gauntlets and they gave her the power, they just opened up her latent abilities. Gotcha, gotcha. Other characters, Brie Larson. Yeah, pretty standard Brie Larson in this. Basically exactly what you'd expect. Tiana Paris as Monica Rambeau was pretty quality. Yeah, I liked her. Um, Her character is still kind of of interesting to me because... She's just kind of there. I don't know. She doesn't have like a super big role for the most part, but then they they try to make her bigger than what I think her character actually is. Like she seems like her character through the whole movie seems like she doesn't want anything to do with anything. Like, I don't care about this. I don't care about saving these people. I just want my stuff to go back to normal. <laughs> like I want everybody to just go back to normal, which is interesting. I guess that's understandable too when you went from just being a normal human being to the Division show she gets turned into a mutant essentially it's like yeah yeah, i I don't want to do this yeah like she didn't sign up for this it was never part of her like original like story in her life she was just some normal kid and then the other sort of main characters in the the movie zawi ashton as dar ben i thought she was decent the character definitely wasn't fleshed out enough to make this any sort of substantial role no i i actually hate this villain and I, I know I told you it's because it feels like just a copy and paste of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy villain, mm-hmm. just in female form. It is literally nothing more than that, in my opinion. They could have had a lot more originality, I think, with her. But yeah, she just seems like a really like, she kind of seems like a, a really like just pissed off, like vengeful teenager almost. Like, oh, you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you kind of moment. And like, I understand she wants to save her people, but she just, I don't know, she wasn't very... Uh, she didn't really sell me on the whole villain thing. She, I feel like she could have been a lot worse. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yeah. Like, I think it makes sense when you sort of look at the reasoning behind it and examine it a bit more. But, like, the way it's presented in the movie doesn't really give you enough context for why she is the way she is. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's just generic villain number seven. Yeah. I feel like the way that they introduced her villainous character, it was kind of like we almost started in the middle of something and because and that's exactly what it did and then we didn't get the reasoning behind that until like halfway through the movie and i was like this is the dumbest way that you could have introduced a villain like ever you know it's just oh i'm very angry and i'm gonna get revenge and i'm gonna do this and it's okay but why yeah by the time you get the context you kind of already just like eh, let's just get through this yeah like i'm not interested anymore in why you want revenge like i get it you're pissed off okay so is every other (laughs) other bad guy Mm -hmm. i did love that her weapon is the actual name is the universal weapon but i do like that they are they call it in the the movie or yeah i think monica calls it the space hammer Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then kamala goes oh i was gonna call it the cosmorod I was like, oh, Jesus, don't use that name. Yeah, no, there was so many. 
there's a lot of bad puns in this movie or like a lot of bad jokes that I just was like, oh boy. Again, the awkward tonal shifts where it goes from like serious moment, like especially the moments on the far-flung planets where they the big action sequences happen and then they leave and it's kind of like millions of people were still left on that planet. They just all died and we get a couple of shots of Kamala and maybe Monica feeling a little bit sad and like, oh shit, we kind of failed those people. Yeah. And then next second we're off to something funny like we're talking about the Cosmorod and it's like, oh, um, hang on. Yeah, Brie Larson's character is just kind of like, it's fine. You know, we saved as many as we could. Don't worry about those other people. Like, minor casualty. Like, just mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people are just minor casualty. It's fine. Like, don't, just like, don't try to save all of them. The moment where, like, the Cree planet just starts collapsing in on itself and they're kind of just like, yeah, yeah, we saved, like, four ships worth of people, but there's still hundreds of thousands still down in that town that all just died. Yeah. And she's just kind of, like, nonchalant about it. Like, it's just another day in the in the neighborhood kind of moment, you know? Like, can't save them all not not really the heroic character you would hope no especially when she's talking to a girl who idolizes her so much she just like i feel like she kind of sees her her hero failing her at that point you know like that's weird which probably is what spurs her to go on later in the movie and like potentially like start to form her own superhero team yeah because she realizes the marvels are not gonna get the job done in the way she wants no no, no. <laughs> and then the last, like, major character that we all knew was in this movie heading into it, Samuel L. Jackson returning as Nick Fury for the, his 15th appearance in the MCU. Hell yeah, because anything with Sammy J. I mean, Sammy J can save almost anything. That's how I look at it. If you throw Sammy J in there, you've got a fighting chance that it might work. Yeah. He was kind of just like a side character in this, but yeah, he's in there. And at some point, they're going to have to write him out of the MCU, you would think, but he's kind of in everything this point yeah it's true but i mean i'm not gonna complain because nick fury is probably like the best thing to happen with mcu because he's so consistent his character never never falters really in my opinion you can have like a million different marvel things and nick fury is always just gonna be normal nick fury yeah i think nick fury was the highlight of um secret invasion and that show was pretty bad I never watched Secret Invasion, thank God. But yeah, no, I just, I feel like whenever something's going to the shits, it's just like, hey, we're going to throw Nick Fury in here, or at least we're going to like have a phone call from him somewhere. It's going to be like, I know what you're doing, and I don't approve of this. (laughs) And like, let me know if you need backup. He's kind of like the brain's trust that like brings all these forces together that solve issues. I think I equate Nick Fury to um, M in 007. (laughs) Like, that's what he reminds me of, is like the M of 007 kind of moment. Yeah, I was going to say Charlie and Charlie's Angels. Yeah, he's just there, and you know he's there. Um, You also forgot the most important character of this entire fucking movie. Fucking Goose. (laughs) The cat. Goose is the most important character in anything with Captain Marvel, because Goose steals the show in everything. You just like cats. No, I just want a Goose standalone film. Like, I'd be okay with that. Just a cat walking around eating people. No, like, so this is my idea for Marvel, and I know it'll never happen because um, things just are not going to be the same way anymore, Um, but I want them to redo Howard the Duck, and I want them to work Goose into the Howard the Duck movie somehow. I don't know how it'll work, but it needs to happen. Okay, that seems random, but okay, we'll see how they go. Uh, Howard the Duck needs to just get more love, and I know it's a really weird fucking movie to watch, but I mean, you know, whatever, the 80s were a thing, so. And now, like, some sort of spoiler moments as well. The, the cameos in this movie, Tessa Thompson returns as her character Valkyrie very briefly as she like 
takes the Cree people and it's like, okay, they can come and live in New Asgard with us. It's like, okay, cool. Yep. And then the, the two biggest cameos come at the very end of the film, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop when uh, Kamala sneaks into her apartment and surprises her and essentially offers, hey, we need to form a new team laying the foundations for the Young Avengers. Yeah. Is obviously the direction that the MCU is heading because RDJ, Tom Holland. Yeah. So like all of those people are getting, I guess Tom's still pretty young, but like RDJ is getting pretty old. So they're going to have to slowly start to write a lot of these people off. Chris Evans. Yeah. They can't do it forever. So yeah, they're they're all going to get written off. We'll see how it goes. But we also got Kelsey Grammer as Dr. Hank McCoy, also known as Beast from the X-Men. The best cameo ever. Like I told you, that, that was the second to best moment of this entire movie for me. It was the end credits. Like, he's the best. I cannot tell you how much I shrieked when I heard Kelsey Grammer's voice and I was like, oh, Beast, Beast is coming out. I know it. And yeah, it was wonderful. And I had so much fun with it because it gives me so much hope. And with uh, Marvel and Disney kind of dragging their feet with, uh, you know, X-Men shenanigans, I really hope that that means that they're going in the right direction of taking it slow. Yeah, they're like slowly filtering them in. Like like I said, Ms. Marvel confirmed that the X-Men were in canon in this universe now. This character, Beast, is now the second X-Men character to be featured in the MCU films after mm-hmm. Charles Xavier was in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yep. So there's slowly filtering them in. Deadpool will introduce obviously a bunch more with Deadpool himself coming in. Wolverine Colossus is in that movie as well. Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Yukio. Uh, and then we also had back in WandaVision, Quicksilver was in there, but not as Quicksilver yet. Yep. I'm excited. I really hope that they do it justice. I'm holding out for X-Men to be a success um, when they decide to revamp it and kind of reboot it a little bit. And I'm also hoping for Gambit to get more screen time because Gambit is the best X-Men. And I'm going to also throw that out there in the world. So Agreed. Yeah. (laughs) I think Deadpool 3 is going to be the one that's like, bang, they're here now. Like there's no more... There's no more like trickling people in here and there. It's just going to be like, if Wolverine's here, they're all. Yeah, everybody's happening again. It's going to it's going to happen. It's going to be featured more. So it'll be great. I'm really stoked for it. Yeah, like I said, that was my favorite. Second favorite part of this movie is seeing Beast on screen. And I'm just like, this is going to be great. As long <laughs> as it's done right, it'll be great. And I saw a photo of Wolverine's helmet and mask from the somewhat convention on at the moment. Mm-hmm. And they showed the mask that is in the Deadpool movie. Okay. It looks so good. Yeah. Is it like classic classic comic Wolverine? Like Yeah, it's like the bright the bright blue and yellow, the big like Wolverine like ear type things. It just ear looks, things. Yes. It looks sick. I was like, they nailed that. Yeah, that makes me excited. Let's see if they nail the movie as well. Please. So then yeah, a couple of other like uh notes I had written down is I loved that this movie opened with the fun sort of comic animated elements from the Miss Marvel show. However, just like they were in that series, they were very short-lived. Mm-hmm. Because they're in that opening sequence and then they're never used again. No. What's the point? What are we doing? Like, if we're going to give it this cool, like, animated, just, like, action burst flair, that should have been throughout the movie. Yeah, it was very strange. It, it's 
like you said, they don't really, it's not cohesive. Like there's nothing really cohesive in this movie. Like nothing flows together a hundred percent. It's parts of it just seem very forced. Um, other parts of it were kind of cringe. Yeah. Like it went from having its own unique identity in that first five minutes to then all of a sudden just becoming MCU formulaic movie. And then I think what probably hurt this movie the most was the runtime. It was only an hour and 45 minutes making it the shortest MCU film to date, sitting just ahead of The Incredible Hulk from 2008 and Thor Dark World, which were an hour 52 each. Uh, Thor Dark World was almost too long. That's my least favorite Thor movie. I just think because they tried to get this so short, Mm -hmm. it kind of lost any sort of depth or meaning to any of the moments. Like they were kind of all just like, here's this bit. Now here's this bit. It was very like, I guess you could say comic-y, like, here's this panel, here's this panel. Mm-hmm. But there's no, like, threads connecting them. Yeah, it didn't work well. And then they they um, decided to dedicate, like, 20 fucking minutes to a musical number that didn't need to happen at all. And that wasn't good. No, there was nothing that was necessary in that entire fucking sequence at all. Like, those people weren't even fucking important. Like, I understand she was coming for their water on their planet, but, like, it was, like, such a short-lived moment. It was, like, we focused more on this planet can only communicate if you sing to them. Mm -hmm. And we had to hear horrible fucking sequences and singing and Brie Larson somehow, Captain Marvel, or, yeah, is a a princess. um, Fucking married. She's a married princess to this random sea town planet. Yeah, the, the songs weren't memorable at all. They weren't sung particularly well yeah it was a very awkward kind of situation and like what's really bad is that all the characters looked uncomfortable in the entire scene like no one looked like they were happy about it it was so cringe to watch nobody was confident in singing those moments yeah it was a very cringe moment to watch and i just i i i couldn't i i wrote this movie off at that point i was like all right i can tolerate it to a point but this is just not necessary yeah I was just watching it thinking like this day and age, if you're going to do a musical number, you've got to bring in like somebody well-known for musicals, like a Lin-Manuel Miranda or someone like that to come in, write me a really cool, catchy song and help me with like the choreography and stuff. Don't just get a random writer who doesn't usually write music to write a musical number. Yeah. And it was, it was just such a weird placement for it. Like it didn't fit nothing worked with it like they could have just been like oh this planet only communicates and clicks and i would have been probably happier with that like take me back to a star trek planet okay like it's just, yeah no <laughs> and yeah on that like runtime factor i've read that it was likely done because i, I think the previous captain marvel was like over two like nearly two and a half hours mm-hmm. so i think what they've been doing recently is trying to condense these down like we saw it with echo was announced as eight episodes then revised to six and then eventually came out as only five right with the movies they've been like condensing those down as well like they were getting really big like i think Endgame was like nearly three hours yeah mm-hmm. yes it was whereas now they're like condensing them down to under two hours mm-hmm. which is likely to allow them to get more screenings per day yep when they initially hit cinemas and then that's to then like artificially boost those opening weekend box office numbers because if you can get eight screenings in a day versus five looks a lot better artificially boost the box office numbers but it didn't really work with this one no because their budget was 274.8 million and they brought in 206.1 million 
at the box office. Uh, it was the lowest opening weekend in MCU history. I also feel like it didn't get a lot of hype, this particular film. I, um, there was a lot of things that I think factored into that. There didn't seem to be a lot of coverage as far as like running trailers on TV and stuff like that for it. And then on top of that, the market was just so oversaturated with Marvel. Everywhere we turned at the moment was Marvel this, Marvel that. You know, whether we had another show, whether we had a, a, a cartoon series, anything like that. It was just getting throat, like shoved down our throats at that point. And then on top of everything, it had been so long since Captain Marvel came out that I think a lot of people just kind of forgot that her character was even in the MCU, even though she was such a big part of like Endgame and stuff like that. I still feel like people kind of were just like, huh? Like, oh yeah, I forgot she was in there. And then same thing, like WandaVision was one of the first Marvel TV shows to come out. And that was the first one. Yeah. So, and it was so, it had been so long. So people kind of forgot about her character as well. Cause I was sitting here, I was like, oh yeah, that, that is the lady from WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you bring in Ms. Marvel, who's a little bit newer, but at the same time, again, a lot of people I don't think tuned into that show. Her show wasn't super popular either. Right. So I feel like you just had a lot of things going against you as far as your main leads not being very popular with the general MCU kind of clientele, the people that really go for those kind of things. Yeah. I think that's an issue that MCU is having now too. Like they're giving us these introduction movies for one character, but then the follow-up because they are putting out so many movies, it's not like one or two years later. No. It's like, five six seven years later it's like unless i go back and re-watch the intro like movie for this character i'm not gonna remember this story no and i guess that's what they're banking on that you'll go back and watch it again but it's like not everyone's gonna do that no and on top of that it's you're also integrating characters that were just in a series and characters that were in films so like that's another problem because you might have people like me who i was die hard with all the all the marvel films for quite a long time um but when they started announcing the series i kind of trailed off because sometimes i just don't want to dedicate like you know to waiting around every single week to have a new episode because i'm one of those binge watchers so it's just it's kind of hard to try and get everybody to collectively go and see a film that includes all of these kind of elements into it and yeah, like we said, like the hype isn't there for some of these things. And I think that probably hurt this movie as well. Like I think having the three leads be women definitely didn't help because a lot of the coverage was pretty biased in that way that it was just crap because it was all women. It's like, that's not the case. It's just not a very well written or edited movie. Yeah. Now that it has hit Disney Plus, I assume they'll be hoping that that will boost their subscriber numbers, which have taken a bit of a hit. Over the last few months, uh, in Q1 of this year, they've lost 1.3 million subscribers right after they raised the price Mm -hmm. of the subscription. So that's not a great sign. And that makes four out of five of the past quarters had a decline in subscriber numbers. We know who's going to save them, so it's okay. Why did I bring that up? With the announcement in March of T-Swift coming to Disney Plus exclusively. We already know their numbers are going to go through the roof because all of the Swifties are going to be like, shit, if I don't have Disney Plus now, I need to get Disney Plus because obviously we all need to have Swifty parties. So I'm just saying, we know who's going to save Disney Plus subscriptions here and it's not going to be the MCU nerds for once. It's going to be the ridiculous Swifty nerds at this point. Yeah, probably not wrong. They might actually get a bump in Q2. Just for that one quarter, though, because after they get their fill of, of watching the Eras tour, then they'll just cancel after like the, you know, 
30 day subscription or something like that. But just saying, I'm just saying we might save Disney plus for at least one quarter this year. Speaking of the music, I liked a couple of the songs that they used in the action sequences. I thought they elevated the action sequences with the music. Rattata by Skrillex and Missy Elliott in the first like sequence where they start to realize, oh shit, our powers are making a switch. Yeah. And then obviously later in the movie, Intergalactic by Beastie Boys, which has been used a lot recently. It mustn't be very expensive to license. Dude, they're probably like living the best life. Like, yo, all these people want to use our song. Let's do this <laughs> kind of moment. Like, sign the rights away. Go for it. I'll take that paycheck. <laughs> yeah, the joys of all of these are shared universe, multiverse things where intergalactic like fits the theming so everyone's just using it. Absolutely. Yep. Of the action sequences, I thought they were pretty well done. Like they used the the switching in a fun way. It made for some really good comedic moments, but also built on the character development as they sort of started to come together and realize, okay, we can use this to our benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to do this, this and that, and then I'll charge my power and we'll swap. And you can come in and do this. Like that was, I will give them the credit. They did a really well job of, of teamwork and making it work to their advantage where they had to switch. Yep. They were very smart with that. One issue I had with the switching though, when they're like learning how to synchronize their switching, Carol says, I'll count down and then we'll go. And she does it in, that's not how you do a countdown. It's not one, two, three, go. It's one, two, three, and you go on the three. You don't need the extra go. Oh my God, you're a go person, aren't you? It depends on my mood. No. This is like, this happened, this happened in Lethal Weapon when they were just like, all right, we're going to jump off the toilet and we're going to go one, two, three and jump. And then he's like, no, 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 we jump on three. And it's like, no, we jump one, two, three and then jump. <laughs> and Kamala called her out. I was like, why would you say go? You said we'll go on three. No, we'll just go one, two, three, go. No, see, it's, I'm a go person. I guess, yeah, I guess I am a go person. Ah, Jesus, you're, you're broken. I'm not, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I loved Kamala suggesting uh, code names for Monica the whole time because like, she's like the one character in this movie that doesn't have like a, here's my superhero name. Yeah. Apparently in the comic book, Monica Rambo, she has the code name. She has multiple code names, actually. Captain Marvel. Photon, Pulsar, and Spectrum. Okay. And Photon, Pulsar, and Spectrum are all code names that Kamala suggests in this movie, which is a pretty cool touch. That is fun. I didn't know that. And then you notice something in terms of music as well in the herding the cats sequence as they try to escape the spaceship. This is the best part of this entire movie. I hate this movie, but this is the best part. They used memories from the Broadway musical Cats in the middle of the flirking kitten attack. And it was wonderful seeing all of little Goose's kittens going and eating people. It was, it was fucking genius. And they had their moment. And I I could sit here all day and just rewatch that entire like 10 minutes of flirting kitten cats uh, eating people and then transporting them into space. Question. Have you watched the Cats movie? And no, I was actually uh, approached with that same exact question. I was getting my nails done. Um, it, cause I was informed that I think it's on Netflix now. I've not watched it. Um, I probably don't need to watch it cause I've heard it's fucking terrible. It's real bad. It's one of the worst movies I've ever watched. It was weird. I will probably just stick with the original, um, musical, uh, production of it. And I feel like there are certain ones that shouldn't be adapted to film. That's one thing T-Swift couldn't save. 
I don't think anything could have saved that. And to yeah. be fair, from what I've heard, she's only in it for like a whole 10 minutes because she plays the the mean girl cat. Yeah, she, she, she could not save that one. It was not good. No, of all the musicals that I have liked being in the film adaptation, I can honestly say I think Cats is probably terrible and I've never even watched it. I'm, I'm good. But um, this is probably better than the Cats movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this whole 10 minutes is probably better than that entire two hours. The last note I had down was based on like the theme overall of the movie. Like We've said that the writing wasn't great, but I think the big takeaway theme that I got from this was like the consequences of like a foreign intervention or invasion. Like we said, we see the, the Marvels, they come to try and help people and then end up just stuffing things up even worse than they were, which I think is kind of timely given the current global political climate with Ukraine versus Russia, Israel and Palestine. Like there's some pretty timely thematic elements in here but it just lost all that weight and just becomes let's just do a fun team up movie yeah it's a really rough watch for me honestly um i had a slight bit of hope for this like i didn't really have a whole lot of expectations going into it but i did hope that it was going to be a little bit better than what it was just because i i was kind of like optimistic we hadn't seen captain marvel in so long that i felt like maybe they'll give her a chance to you know, come back into everybody's world and, you know, show that she's a badass and this, this and that. And it's, it all kind of fell flat. Yeah. Even at an hour 45, it kind of feels long. Yeah. Like a lot of the, just like not the action sequences, but some of just the regular dialogue sequences seemed very dragged out. And I don't know if it's just because of the the pacing of the film or just the overall tone of it, but some of it, when they were just like deliberating different things, it just kind of felt very dragged out. One final piece of trivia Lashana Lynch, who plays Maria Rambo, Monica's mum, mm-hmm. she's actually younger in real life than Tiana Paris, who plays Monica. That is so weird. Yeah. It's a weird, like, casting fact. It's also kind of strange for me because she always calls Captain Marvel, like, her aunt. She always refers to her as her aunt Danvers. Mm-hmm. And it's very strange for me because they're the same age because of that whole blip moment. Mm-hmm. And so... It's a very odd kind of way for me to look at that because I'm just like, wow, they're literally the same age on screen. But because of that whole blip sequence, like she's not that little girl anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit funny. So in terms of a rating for the Marvels, what would you give this one out of five? This movie is going to get a two from me and that's being generous. Like I said, um, Goose and the Flurkin Kitten Cats, they, they saved this film for me. But like I said, it's just, it was very disorganized and um not the best in any kind of aspect really and if i if it weren't for the musical number it probably would have gotten like a two and a half but that musical number really fucked with me and i was like this is horrible yeah i would give this three out of five one for each of the leads essentially just like yeah mindless midweek viewing nothing really to write home about but you kind of need to watch it to get that Post-credit scene. I mean, you could just literally go on YouTube probably at this point and just watch the, the Marvel's post-credit sequence and save yourself an hour and a half. Yeah. And if anything, probably just wait for Deadpool because that's going to be like the real X-Men intro. Yeah. 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 If you're if you're waiting for the X-Men pop, this is not it. This is like a, another tease. Definitely Deadpool is going to bring us home hopefully for that. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee, and you can follow me on social media at Jamie Apps Media and at Parrier Magazine. 
The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.